All right, well, let's stand together and let's read the word together this morning from Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Father, we thank You this morning because You do have a good purpose for us. Now, help us, empower us this morning to receive Your Word and to become all that You have destined for us. And everybody said, you may be seated. All right, the definition of those words, work out, in the Greek, katorgazomai, it means to fulfill something or to complete, to do a deed, to produce something, to cause something to happen, to bring about, to carry out a task. This is about action. This is about doing something. The Apostle James said, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, If you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? And he goes on to say, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. So if someone tells you that either getting into physical or spiritual shape is going to be easy, they're selling you something, right? Take this pill and you're going to look like a Victoria's Secret model. Just buy this product and you will have magic Mike abs. The devil says, eat this fruit and you will be like God. Don't get sold. If someone is real with you, they're going to tell you if you want your health to improve, it's going to mean a lifestyle change and it's going to be hard but it'll be worth it. And that's what Paul is telling us here. You've received salvation. Now what? What are you going to do with it? Paul recommends you work it out. So here we are. We're in God's faith gym. And you look around and you see some people who are legit, right? You're, they're working out their salvation. And you're looking at them and you're thinking, whoa, I, I wish I could do that. Someday I'd like to be able to do what they do. And then you look around, like you are at a gym, you know, and you see some people who haven't quite figured it out yet. So we're going to have some fun this morning, and we're going to look at a few of those. You go into the gym, and you go to work out, and there they are. It's people, and you wonder, why are they here? They're done. They don't need to work out. They're already in good shape. They look like a magazine ad for a gym, and their outfits are all matchy-matchy, and they're in the latest fitness style. Look, I don't shower before I go to the gym. I am unshaven. If it's early in the morning, I probably didn't brush my teeth. I'm just being real with y'all, okay? My clothes are wrinkled, but they've got their hair done. They've got their makeup perfect, and you're like, man, they are are just on some other level. I'll never be as perfect as they are. But, you know, as the workout progresses and you kind of move over to the free weights or over to the machine, you look over by the front door and they're still over there chatting it up with their friends. Oh, they might run a little bit and they might pick up a weight, but immediately then they're checking themselves out in the mirror, right? And then the phone comes out, selfie girl! (laughs) And all their friends and followers are immediately updated on the fact that she is hashtag living the gym life. 
And they're commenting on how dedicated she is. She doesn't need to go to the gym. Look how cute you are with your duck face and your perfect outfit. But before we tear into selfie girl, can we at least be honest enough to admit that we have all been guilty of this? And I no, I don't mean posting selfies to the internet. What I mean is putting on appearances without the heart or the substance to back it up. You all look great this morning. You know, I'm, I'm glad you took a little bit of time this morning to make yourself ready to, you know, come to church. You clean up nice. It's good. But some of us are here this morning, and we are selfie girl. You have a smile on. You look put together. You maybe even followed through with your commitment to sing or to usher or to teach. But on the inside, your heart is not invested. You're going through the motions. You're showing up, but it's for appearance sake. And even though you showed up, and I'm glad that you did, your soul is atrophying inside because you're not truly working out your salvation. God told the prophet Isaiah to relay this message. He said, the Lord says, these people, they come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me and their worship of me is based on human rules that they've been taught. Look, here's the good news. You do not have to look good when you're working out your faith, okay? Some people who come here, they put on their best clothes. That's a sign of, you know, showing respect to the presence of the Lord. But, you know, His way of receiving respect is when our hearts are fully His. So don't feel like that's a requirement of worship, that you've got to look perfect on the outside or that you've got to be perfect on the inside. Let me tell you, when you come through the doors at 2620 Calusa Highway, you don't have to pretend to be great when you're not. You don't have to have it all together. And when somebody asks you how you are, you don't have to lie. You tell the truth in this house because we're family and we are working it out together. Jesus said in Revelation, I know your deeds and you have perseverance and you've endured for my name's sake and you've not grown weary, but I have this against you. You've left your first love. So look, here's a church body that's doing the work. Look at the words that Jesus uses to describe them. Deeds, perseverance, endurance, not to mention not growing weary. This is a church that's on the cover of Faith Bodybuilders magazine, right? They are shredded. They are stacked. They are defined. But their heart is weak. They've lost their love for Jesus. And that's a problem. Imagine that you're married to God. You live together, and every year, you know, you give them an anniversary card and you throw them a birthday party, and you're kind of checking off all those boxes, but... He's not really in your life, invested, involved. You roll over at night and you turn the light out without saying, I love you. But you, you know, you give him all the gifts on the obligatory days. And what God is saying here is, do you remember when we were first married and we were broke and you couldn't get anything nice for me? Remember how happy we were? Because you loved me. You just wanted to be with me and we would spend hours together talking and laughing and sharing and just being in each other's lives. You were so happy just to be mine. 
and I miss that. And I want that again. It wasn't that we didn't have any problems, but we had love. And the greatness of our love overshadowed all of those problems. And so when Paul says, have this mind that is in Christ Jesus, he's saying one of the things that Jesus saves us from is caring about all the stupid stuff that he doesn't care about. He doesn't care how you look when you're working out your faith. He doesn't care if you're grunting and sweating and shaking as you're trying to work this out and build your faith muscles. What he cares about is if you love him. Are you trusting him? Are you putting what you know to be true about him into effect in every area of your life? Well, you never have to clean yourself up to go to God. That's what he does for you. Furthermore, you know, he doesn't care if you're dotting all those I's and crossing all those T's as much as he does about your heart. Is your whole heart mine? It's not that he doesn't care at all. That's not what I'm saying. But his first priority is your heart mine. Do you belong to me? Be all in. Be all his. So we showed up and we're doing our routine. Let me, uh, thanks for bringing this stuff out here, uh, these weights. Let me grab one of these dumbbells. Thanks for the pink ones, Jeff. That was, that was sweet. All right. So you're doing your routine, you know, you're lifting your weight, you're doing your cardio, whatever, and that's when ProBro comes up to tell you how you're doing it wrong. Hey, bro, look here. All right, your form's all off. You got to get yourself uh, pumped up in the right way. And, uh, you know, with that form being off, I mean, you're not going to get the growth that you want. And speaking of uh, growth and all that stuff, you know you can't be lifting weights unless you're uh, chalking it up. You know what I mean? I mean, you got to have your chalk, you know. So, hey, hold on a sec. Let's chalk this. Let's get that right there. Chalk, uh, chalk that. Definitely get the bicep pump. Wait a sec. I got to chalk your hand. There we go. Chalk, chalk. Okay, there you go. Hey, you know, I'll chalk for you. There you go. Great. Keep right there, right there. Feel it? You feel it? Okay, keep the legs straight, too. The bro Bible, I'll bust that out here in a second. That's going to tell you to keep the legs, because technically the legs are the arms, and the arms are the legs. You'll get it. Look, we all, we all want to do this right, right? Uh, so we, we listen, and we nod, and we kind of consider how we're working out our salvation. Look, there's nothing wrong with a corrective word or, you know, some constructive criticism. But then, you know, he goes on. What, what supplements are you taking, bro? I mean, right here in the bag, we got all the good stuff. How many times have you eaten? Oh, wait a second. Your carb to ratio protein balance. Is that on point? I don't think it is. I mean, those biceps could use a little work there, fella. But hey, did you eat today? How many times have you eaten? I ate three times before I got here this morning. You see? It's empty. All empty. All empty. All in. All right. And as time goes on, you start to realize that while ProBro seems very knowledgeable about all the latest trends and techniques, he's spending more time talking than actually doing the work himself. Look, n- nobody wants to be rude. I really think, honestly, we all just want to be nice and, and get along with people, right? So it might take a little while to identify ProBro. And what's harder is he does really seem well-informed. But working out happens when the heart and the body are engaged, not the mind and the mouth. I'm going to say that again. Working out happens when the heart and the body are engaged, not the mind and the mouth. So ProBro sees himself as, you know, God's corrective tool in your life. He wants to be looked at as a spiritual authority, but he doesn't actually want to be accountable to anybody himself. And he'll tell you, you know, how you're doing it wrong, 
but he won't actually do the work himself. You never see pro bro with his trainer sweating it out because he's all mouth and no muscle. Look, we all know ProBro, right? We have all been annoyed by ProBro. But if we're all being honest, we've all been ProBro at some point. Am I right? For example, how many of you here this morning are parents? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Good. All right. Do you remember that time when you were a perfect parent? Yeah. It was that time just before you had kids. And you were at the restaurant with your spouse and you were looking over with disgust at the family with those kids who were being loud and misbehaving and you smugly said, we will never let our children do that. And then you had children and things got a little complicated because they have personalities and stuff. And suddenly it wasn't so easy, but hopefully, you know, you worked it out. And if you did, likely it was because you stayed humble and teachable and you sought some advice and direction from people who had been where you were. But mostly, you sought out some encouragement, right? And just like in the spiritual gym that we all belong to, we're working out beside each other and sometimes we just need someone to come up and say, keep going, don't give up, you've got this, or hey, I'll spot you. A major part of the process of working out is developing fellowship and encouraging each other in the workout to do more, to go further. You know, this entire chapter is about fellowship, fellowship with Christ and fellowship with each other. And this verse hits on the process of engaging that fellowship. Look, I don't know about you, but when I'm at the gym, I push myself harder if I'm lifting with somebody else. And we need that. But we've also got to operate in love and allow some room for the Holy Spirit to do His work. And when we do see someone doing it wrong, then we approach them with an attitude of love and humility. For example, you know, somebody's been working out their salvation. Beautiful things are happening in their life, and then suddenly they stop showing up. They're not coming to anything. And sometimes you get these kind of two responses. Where have you been, you dirty backsliding heathen? And ProBro comes out. Or the other one, which is, oh, well, you know, whatever makes you happy, you know, I mean, we're here whenever you want to come back or don't, you know, you just kind of do you and I'll, I'll cheer you on and support whatever it is that makes you happy. No, 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 no. Neither one of those are what God has in mind. Here's what the apostle says in Galatians. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, Pro Bro's biggest problem is not his running mouth. His real problem is that he's not working out himself. Philippians, it says, work out your salvation, not everybody else's. And when we're pro-bro and we're not working out, we like to compare ourselves to others, right? Because it makes us feel good, like, well, at least I don't have those issues. And we lose sight of the one that we should be comparing ourselves to. Because you see, at the end of our life, God is not going to care what you thought about what everybody else was doing. He's going to ask you, did you do 
what I asked you to do. And Paul says in that same chapter, don't be selfish and stop trying to impress people. Just be humble and think of others as better than yourself. And then he gives the example of that in Jesus. You know, if anybody had a right to come down here and be pro-bro, it was Jesus. He was actually perfect. But, you know, it's not like Jesus never said anything corrective. Oh, no, he did say a lot of things that were corrective. But his motive was from a place of humility and love. When he says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And that's what makes his words cut so deeply into our hearts. It's when we realize how much he loves us. So work out your faith. And when someone else needs some encouragement and redirection, approach them with love and humility. Okay, so we looked at some of the examples of people that, you know, we don't want to be. Let's take a look at what we should be. Take a look at the real deal. America. All right, so this guy is bringing his best effort every day. He pushes himself. He obeys his trainer. He's committed to the process. And he's saying no to things that hold him back or would cause him to slack off. He doesn't just work out when he feels like it or when it's convenient for him or when he's in the mood. No, he wants growth and development more than he wants other things. It's a priority. And so he changed his mindset and he put the hours in and now everyone he comes into contact with, well, they can see the results. And you see, that's the way it is when we exercise our faith and we allow God to stretch us and grow us and we submit to his will, not our comfort level. And everyone can see the change. Does anyone here imagine that Derek spends hours and hours on the couch eating donuts and pizza? Does anyone think that this body that Derek has got after he took a pill or went on a crash diet or a fad workout? No. What he has took discipline and breaking and soreness. Okay, Pastor Michael, thanks for bringing me to church and making me feel fat and bad about my workout disciplines and all that. No, you just missed the whole point of the purpose of what I'm talking about. This is not about going to sign up at a gym or put you on a diet plan. This is about something so much more important something that's eternal, your spiritual fitness level. Okay, so let me illustrate this. Imagine for a moment here that I am Derek's fitness trainer. Okay, you're going to need a good imagination for this, all right? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is our trainer, right? And he encourages us and he challenges us to go further and to do more. And so, Derek, we're going to go further. I'm going to challenge you to go a little further today. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, well, I want you to lay up here on this bench, all right? And we're going to put some weight on this, more weight than you've ever lifted before. Look, maybe, you know, you're coming and, and you're working out your faith and you're doing some great things. You um, got baptized and started uh, reading the Word of God. Maybe you um, started going to a a Bible study or a fellowship group, and maybe you even volunteered in a ministry. But now he says, um, I want you to do 
some other things. I want you to forgive that family member that hurt you so badly. I want you to forget, forgive the, um, the person at work that lied about you and ruined your reputation. I want you to, um, I want you to take a look at some of those TV shows that you've been watching. Reevaluate some of those things. Okay? All right. Lay down. You ready? Come on, lift it up. I can't. Okay, so the Holy Spirit says you can. You can do this through me. Look, don't focus on the weakness of, your, of yourself. Don't fo focus on everybody else around you. Focus on me. I'm with you. I made you. I know what you're capable of doing. And maybe, you know, at this point you say, well, God, if you're doing the work, then why am I here at all when you're doing it, right? Why am I killing myself? Did Derek grow those muscles by watching me work out? Did he sit on his couch for years watching workout videos but never participating? Is that how he got that? No. Here's what the Apostle James says. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So the Holy Spirit wants to grow your endurance. Why? Is it going to make him look bigger? No. Is Derek working out going to make me look buffer? No. We don't make God look any bigger or better than he already is. No, he wants us to get strong. He wants us to be complete. And that sounds like a good deal. So the Holy Spirit says, Derek, trust me. Get down on this bench. I'm here with you. Let's lift that weight. Trust me. good. Okay, now you're showing off. <laughs> Thank you. Look, when we trust God, our spiritual muscles begin to develop and we will see miracles taking place in our life. Things that we couldn't have dreamed, imag imagine having happened just a little while ago. Do you remember the very first time you wrote that tithe check and you were sweating and your hands were shaking and you were like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. I mean, you know, we need that money. But now, it's like you didn't even think about it. You don't even blink at it. Now God is challenging you in other areas of your life. So he says, give. Or he says, witness for me. Or he says, forgive. Or he'll say, turn the other cheek. Or he'll say, love your enemy. Or tell the truth. Or put me first. And sometimes we say yes, but you know what? If we're all honest, we've all wimped out on our trainer, haven't we? No, I can't do that. Or no, I won't do that. 
And somehow I imagine then the Holy Spirit sighing in disappointment and removing some of those weights, saying, okay, we'll go back, we'll go back. But he's going to take you back to that place and give you another chance to say yes because he's never finished with us. He keeps encouraging us. He keeps challenging us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit sees exactly who he made you to be. He sees the truth of where you are, but he also cuts through all those layers of complacency and weakness, and he sees a fully developed believer needing nothing. I'll never forget uh, going with Kirsten to the body exhibit. It's, um, it's basically it's a science exhibit of human cadavers, um, which are dead bodies, in case you didn't know. And, um, and they are dried out, and they are dyed, and they're posed, and they're sort of semi-dissected in different ways so that you can see how all of those internal workings of the body and the anatomy happen. Because I take my woman to all the romantic places. <laughs> and one of those cadavers in there on display was a cadaver of an a morbidly obese person, right? And this uh, cadaver had been, had been cut in half, bisected from the head to the toe, so there was a front half and a back half, and it was opened up so you could see everything inside. And you know what was underneath all of those pounds of extra weight and flesh? Inside was the structure of a perfect muscle structure inside. The outside was like Jabba the Hutt, but the inside was like a fitness model, and so the Holy Spirit is calling out what's deep inside of you. Why? Because he says, I want you to see what I see. As pastor says, faith is about changing our perspective to see through God's perspective. And that's what Paul is trying to get us to see, the possibilities of what our life could be if we would just fully surrender to the call of Jesus Christ to come and to follow him. If we would fully commit to taking the spirit life inside of us to levels and places we didn't imagine we could go. What would your life look like if you would prioritize your time and your energy and your talent and your resources to become everything that Jesus intends for you to become? That is working out your salvation. Applying yourself in ways that are uncomfortable. Finding the limit of your endurance and then letting God push you just a little further experiencing fatigue because you're using your faith in Jesus to do more and to go further. Look, you did not break a spiritual sweat coming to church this morning. You didn't. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad we're all here and we're all worshiping and singing and, and doing all that together. Listen, or maybe you're listening to this on a recording or a podcast, but if you think that just showing up and making a good appearance is equivalent to working out your faith, then you are selfie girl. You showed up. You look together. But you aren't working because it's about appearances. You're not sweating and you're not doing anything that makes you uncomfortable. And the result is that you're not working out and you're not growing. And we've all been there, right? This is not to condemn. But if the truth stings, can we just be honest enough to say, you're right, not working out my salvation. I'm coasting. I'm in a place that's comfortable. Then do something. Do something. Go back to the place where you told God no and tell him yes. Do something that's inconvenient for you 
Do it and watch your spiritual muscles begin to grow and watch the growth take place so that you can become strong enough to lift up someone else who is weak. And your heart of compassion will grow stronger and pump the love of Jesus Christ stronger than ever before. So let me encourage you today, because physically speaking, there's no difference between you and Olympic athlete Michael Phelps, right? He won 18 gold medals. Michael Phelps does not have more arms than you do. He does not have more legs than you do. He doesn't have another set of lungs that you don't have. You're all made of the same materials. But what sets Michael Phelps apart is the vast amount of his life that he has carved out and set aside so that he can focus his body on being the best swimmer the world has ever seen. And yeah, that took some natural ability, but you know what else it took? It took someone who saw potential in Michael Phelps as a young man. Someone who could help Michael see a vision, a dream of what could be, the possibility that in fact he could become an Olympic athlete. And that's what the Holy Spirit is whispering into your heart this morning. He wants you to catch that vision of what your life could be, not only just receiving salvation, but if you would put that salvation into effect and to work in every area of your life. And maybe you're just sitting here thinking, well, you know what, I, I can't do that stuff that other people do with their faith because, you know what, I, I made some choices and I have some issues in my past and some baggage. Listen, we all come into this place at different stages of our salvation journey. We come with different histories. We come with different kinds of baggage, of different shapes and sizes. And I'm not suggesting that we all lift the same weight. But if we have all turned over the ownership of our life to our Savior, then we should all have the same commitment to the process. So if you came in here and you're wounded and you're broken, then this is a place where you can receive love and you can receive strength and help to get strong again. No one here is going to condemn you or judge you for your weakness. Join the rest of us and commit to the process of allowing Jesus to perfect our faith. A while back, I, um, I injured my rotator cuff. And um, I, have a, I have a pretty high pain tolerance level, but man, there's just something about that. I don't know if anybody else ever had that injury, but just putting on a t-shirt or buckling in the seatbelt was excruciating. Just the slightest movement of my arm in the right way just felt like someone was digging a knife deep into my shoulder. And if you've had any kind of injury, you know, you know how that health insurance dance goes. You know, even though you know what is wrong, you've got to jump through all the hoops. You go to your primary, and then you go off to the x-ray, and then you go back to the primary, and then back to the specialist, and then to the imaging center for the scan that you needed in the first place. And then you go to the specialist, and it's like a part-time job, right? And in my case, you know, I was getting different answers from different people, and so I went to a third specialist, and then they told me that that scan that I had just paid hundreds of dollars for was such poor quality that they couldn't really tell what was going on. So now after spending a lot of time and a lot of money, I wasn't just injured. I was frustrated. Have you ever been there? Don't make the mistake that I made. I stopped cold. I stopped going to the specialist. I stopped working out. I stopped everything. And up to that point, I'd been working out for three years, and physically, I was like in the best shape of my life. But I stopped everything for a whole year because I was hurt and I was frustrated with the process. Don't 
waste precious time in your life. Don't run away. Don't shut down. Get honest and get some friends around you who will not just listen to your pain, but help heal you and challenge you and strengthen you again. And you know what happened in that year of no physical exercise? I got weak and I gained weight. And look, you might not, you might not be where you want to be spiritually. Who is? Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe a lot of time has gone by and you're spiritually weak and you're out of shape and you've been feeding on the junk food of this world. But if you will just commit to the process, if you will start working out your faith, I know that just underneath is the image of Jesus Christ just waiting to be revealed in you, the son or daughter of God that he placed into you at the moment that you experienced salvation. It's in there, but now we've got to find it. Here's what John said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. And who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. In case you didn't know it, you're a miracle. So tell the person sitting next to you, you're looking at a miracle this morning. Did you know that your nose can remember 50,000 different smells? Maybe some moms out there are chuckling over there. Okay, yeah, a lot of smells out there. Okay, so you have 100,000 miles of blood vessels pumping blood through your body. When you're awake, your brain has enough power to light a light bulb. Okay, I'm going to leave that one alone. Um, your bones are five times stronger than steel. And every day your heart produces enough energy to drive a truck 20 miles. In your lifetime, your long-term memory can hold a billion trillion bits of information. But the answer to why I walked into this room never seems to be that bit of information for me. And just like your body is a miracle, the salvation that Paul has described that you received is also a miracle. You see, when you were developing inside your mother's womb, you weren't like, oh, I really got to grow some more bones today. Push. Oh, tomorrow I got to work on the internal organs. Ah, oh, this is hard, but I'm on a schedule. Nine months. No. The, the body that you received at birth was not a result of your efforts. You did not design it or grow it. And neither was your spiritual life when you received salvation. Jesus was the one who said, it's finished. The, when you heard the message of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, you heard that Jesus willingly took the punishment for your sins. And he took what you did and he said, it's mine now. I own that. And then his perfect spiritual, eternal life. He willingly gives that to you in exchange. And when you heard that message, boom, something happened inside of you, something sparked. You believed that God loves you and that he forgives you and that he wants you to live with him forever. And you came alive and you were born again. And the Greek word for salvation, it encompasses everything from being delivered from your enemies to your physical health to your eternal salvation the salvation of your soul through Jesus Christ. You want to talk about a miracle. In one moment, you were translated from darkness into light. You belong to Jesus. And that's really good news.
You know, in the Declaration of Independence, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. But what happens after that? You know, you walk through a maternity ward and you see all those little babies lined up and they're, they're all so precious. They're all equally valuable. They're all equally beautiful with their mushy little faces. They're all equally innocent. But what will they apply with the years that they've been given? And what paths will they choose in their life after that day? Paul says, work out your salvation. It's yours. You know, at birthdays or at Christmas, we give and receive gifts. And it doesn't really matter, uh, it's regardless of how much time was spent putting that gift together or how much money was spent putting that gift together. Once it's in your hands, the gift is yours. And if you don't like it that much, maybe you'll take it back to the store and you'll exchange it for something else that you would rather have. Or maybe you might just throw it away and discard it. Or maybe you would put it away in a closet and when, you know, so-and-so comes over who gave it to you, you bring it out whenever they visit so they see it. If you're really excited about it, you'll rip it open and you're going to start using it right away. But the point is that it's yours. And what you do with it ultimately is now up to you. The giver might take time to show you how it works. He might explain, you know, what he was thinking when he got it for you. Or maybe later he'll, he'll ask, you know, hey, how did you like that? Right? But the choice is up to you. It's yours. And I'm reminded of, of the uh, parable of the talents that Jesus told. He said a king was going away on a journey and he gave his servants a portion of money. And eventually the king returns and he asked them, hey, what would you do with the money that I gave you? And two of those servants said, hey, we invested the money and we turned a profit. And the king is like, that's great. That's well done. I'm going to reward you richly for what you did. And then the third one says, I buried it. Here it is. And the king said, you're wicked and you are lazy. And he's thrown out into the darkness. The gift is yours, but it was so personal and it cost him so much. He is going to ask you what you did with it. I think it's appropriate this morning if we'd all just stand up and close our eyes in his presence and say thank you for what you've given to me, Lord.